Greetings and salutations, and welcome to the Cult Spark Podcast. My name is Bob Taylor, and when I was a teenager, one of my very favorite books in the world was Stephen King's It, which was just adapted for the second time and suddenly has turned into what may end up being the most successful horror film of all time, at least in the conversation. It had a massive $117 million opening. Everybody seems to really like it. Critics are fully on board with it. I've even heard some talk about it maybe being pushed for some Oscars. We'll see if that ends up being the case. Regardless, it's huge. And as someone who grew up as a big fan of Stephen King and a big fan of that book, it's it's a, like a pop culture moment that's really cool to see and really cool to sort of be a part of and around for. And I'm joined by Terrence Abar tonight. And Terrence, if I'm correct, I believe you feel the same way, right? I thought that movie was absolutely fantastic, and I couldn't agree with you more on all the stuff you said. Um, it, it for me too, it was definitely um a favorite, and I've read that thing. I don't, I couldn't even tell you how many times, probably like five or six times. Now that's and, that's no small feat because that book's like one thousand one hundred plus pages. Yeah, man. And you I read mean, it five. I think I've read it twice. I mean, I, I again, I read it as a teen. Definitely one of my favorite books. I, I honestly can't remember if I read it start to finish again. I know I've looked at parts of it. It's a big undertaking. It is a big undertaking. <laughs> um, but those were the two big ones, not just – and I'm not talking about page count, but I'm talking about like impact on my youth was It and The Stand. And I actually slightly preferred The Stand, but for me, those were the Stephen King books. Oh, I agree with you on that also. I think The Stand was probably the better of the two. And how fast is that movie getting greenlit now? That I wouldn't be surprised if we end up seeing that in the next two, three years. Uh, yeah, I mean, I expect news on it within 14 days. I mean, after yeah. the insane box office, and they've been working on it. To be clear, there's been talk of a stand reboot, you know, a new stand film for some time now. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's going to be fast-tracked at this point. So, okay, so let's go back to the beginning. How old were you when you first read It? Well, it came out in what, like 86? 86. Or 86. So I would have been about like 12. 12. We're then. the same age, which is the, ki so I, the kids in the book are 11. So it came out when we were the age of the, the characters in the book. I think I read it around that age, either 12 or 13, like early 13. Yeah, I probably read it 14, 15, 16, somewhere in there. Mm -hmm. But uh, at the time, it just, I mean, it just blew me away. It was... I mean, what drew you to it? Why were you? Well, what resonated with you with it when you were a kid? Well, a I was always I was always a Stephen King fan, and I'd been reading his books since I was about eight years old. And um, the first Stephen King book ever was Different Seasons, and um, I don't know. It was like every time I used to see his books on the little racks at the drugstore or whatever, like I would go nuts. I'd be like, "Oh shit, a new one!" <laughs> so I'd always snatch them up, and then it was like. This huge monstrosity with this fantastic cover, man. And I'll never forget, like, picking it up and then just starting, like, to tear through it that night. And, if, um, yeah, I think it's the cover. The cover for that book is, uh, even if I wasn't a Stephen King fan, it would have drawn me to it. The one I have, cause I have the, like, the original paperback and it's the sewer grate, right? Right, right. Yeah. With the claw in the. Yeah, right. Mm hmm. Great paperback cover. Yeah, that was yeah. the that was the cover for the original. For I mean, the, the hardcover. It's this big sprawling epic mm -hmm. that uh, you know featured the type of kids that you could imagine yourself hanging out with. And they're mm -hmm. kind of you know they call themselves the Losers Club. They're kind of underdogs. 
they're they're not dissimilar to like the kids that you see in the goonies or stand by me which is another film based on a stephen king book i mean it's mm-hmm. that it's like like that kind of kids that you almost recognize yourself in in some capacity especially since you know i grew up in a small west virginia town and Derry is kind of a small town you know sort of a similar vibe where you know these aren't kids growing up in some big metropolis they're out you know messing around on the outskirts of town and in the sewers and you know what i mean it kind of has oh, that so there were of... there were a lot of kids disappearing where you live <laughs> not then <laughs> okay <laughs> I made it through anyway. I'm still here. My friend. Good, good, around. good. But you know what I mean. The, the, the setting of it felt very familiar to me. Oh, for sure. Well, and so did the in, kids. You grew up in New York, right? So that's. I grew. Up, I grew up in the city, but it's still. I still had like that same camaraderie with a bunch of friends, and we hung out every day. And the summer was like the time of fun, you know, that break from school. So I was definitely able to relate to it, especially Richie, man. Richie Tozier. Finn Wolfhard killed it, man. And I he he was basically I felt like I was looking at myself on screen. I I was a dork with the glasses and I was definitely the most foul mouth of all my friends. Yeah, I love the fact that uh, I mean, they make it R rated for, I guess, the, the violence and the horror stuff. But I love the, and the language. I love the way that these kids talked like we talked in the 80s. I mean, that Dude, by, the, by the end of the movie, Finn Wolfhard was like it, it felt like it was like, fuck every other word. <laughs> So, okay, so huge fans of the book. We're both big fans of the book. Did you watch the the ABC miniseries in the 90s? Oh, of course. I watched it both nights as they aired. As did I. And what did you think of it when it came out? Well, I have to say that the, that first part, man, I had nightmares. I had literal fucking nightmares that night when that dropped. And, I mean, it's it's on everybody's mind because it's just I think everybody was a little bit freaked out by that movie. And um, even though as far as adaptations go, that the, the miniseries was kind of lacking, it was still you had this fantastic performance from some of the kids and Tim Curry. It was, it was a great miniseries. Uh, let's be, it, was nostalgia. The, it, it was not a great miniseries and it was really lacking in terms of adapting. Look, so then, uh, why? So explain to me why I'll, you think that so many people are so excited about this new version. A I, lot of people I have think, have fond memories of the miniseries. I okay, maybe, maybe, and I'll answer your question in a second. But first, let me get to. I mean, I've only seen the miniseries once. Uh, didn't love it when it aired. Thought to All right, it hasn't aged well. I, I can I, I, I can don't attest know. to I, that. I, I, I can't attest to how it aged. I just remembered when I watched it, Tim Curry was cool, but it just I mean, they were cramming in the whole book, not just half like this movie that just came out did, but they were cramming in the whole book into a four hour miniseries, which translated not, it's to not, like it's not even four, dude. Well, it's right. When you hours. take that's when you take out commercials, it's like two fifty or whatever. It's a three hour movie. And right. it's like they so had to to, they, to cram a thousand pages into three hours right. was just they were that, from the start. I mean you couldn't really do horror on primetime TV then. They couldn't really get away with the stuff that The Walking Dead and Preacher and you know all the shows get away with today. Mm-hmm. So it seemed like a sort of highly truncated, neutered version of the story. With a cool right. Tim Pennywise, with a cool Tim Curry as Pennywise. Yeah, he was fantastic. Uh, I like the Stand miniseries a lot better. The Stand I actually rewatched probably three times over the years, whereas it I never went back to. So I always thought, as far as the '90s TV miniseries, the Stand was the clear 
I haven't, you know, I haven't seen that many series in a while, and I've seen that one a bunch of times, dude. I don't, I that I couldn't tell you how many times I've seen it. Definitely, but uh, I mean, it falls apart at the end. The last hour and a half's not that great, but it's and some of the I remember the effects got pretty shoddy at points. You want to talk about casting? The stand of miniseries has an amazing cast with Gary Sinise and Rob Lowe and all those guys. It's fantastic. Molly Ringwald. Yeah, it's it's uh it's really good until it kind of falls apart at the end. But I it always held up for me better than it. So great book, loved it as a kid. We're talking about it. Miniseries came out, whatever. Still no you know, great adaptation of that book. And some people they, might they even say it's the un- landing. And some they, right. Wait, for what? For what? For the miniseries, man. Of, it's of like when that spider of it? when that's no right. for it. Yeah. When the spider comes out, it's just like what is this shit? I, I still get when I went and saw it, because I saw it at a screening a couple days before it opened, and the first question I got from more than one person was, Oh, is there a giant spider? Is there a giant spider in that? Like people remember that bullshit spider. And then I say, no, there's not a giant spider. And then they say, well, you there's... think they're going to have that in the sequel? I think they're going to have to have something. That's right. People, there's this mistaken belief that there's no giant spider in the book. And there kind of is a giant spider in the yeah, book. Yeah, there is. But the way King writes it, it's more about the human mind can't perceive its true form. So the, no, dude, so, they kill it physically. So the best we can visualize is a spider-shaped creature. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's there. It's just... It's got to look otherworldly. It can't look like a giant stop-motion spider. It has to look like some sort of otherworldly spider-esque thing, and that's going to be tricky effects to pull off if they're going to do that in It Chapter 2. Now, let me answer your question. Why were people excited for this? I guess a little bit maybe it was remembering the miniseries from back in the day. I think How are more... you going to say a little bit, dude? Do you Listen. see the memes? Do you see how much the original Pennywise... Dude, they, yeah, they can't okay. even bring... They can't even Maybe talk about the new Pennywise I, without talking about know, fucking Tim Curry. I'm not huge on memes and that sort of lowbrow internet culture, so maybe I'm not aware of the... <laughs> Maybe I'm not aware of how much. Oh my God! Did you really say meme? that memes are lowbrow internet <laughs> culture, dude? Yes, are you wearing a fucking smoking jacket right now? <laughs> yes. Oh my God! Are your legs crossed? I'm are they like point, a, both pointing I'm, down? You I'm fucking a martini, pipe. pinky up, drinking fuck. I'm smoking a pipe. I have a <laughs> martini. No, I'm just saying. I so you're telling me this movie made 117 million dollars because Tim Curry's version of Pennywise is the subject of a lot of memes. Is that really, no, is that what makes what a I'm, hit movie now? That's, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying Listen, it's a, I, you can't deny that it is definitely in the, the pop subculture, okay, man. It's okay. in there. It's Listen, buried in there. Listen, I will acknowledge that may have something to do with it, but here's a bunch of more reasons that might have something to do with it. Okay. This, a lot of movie fans in this country wanted a big good movie to go see because this summer kind of sucked, especially in the second half. Okay, that could have easily um, factored in. We had Wonder Woman and some stuff early, but by the time you got to July, pretty much everything underperformed or tanked. And there have been no, not, not too many horror movies other right. than I, um, Annabelle Creation. It, unless it's a Conjuring spinoff, I think horror as a genre has been extremely lacking. Hmm. I also think for people that are not big you know, that are open to seeing horror movies, but aren't like horror super fans. I think they were looking for a horror film that felt a little more mainstream or had other things going for it rather than just being some gore fest or something. And I think it was clear that it was going to fit that category. 
Uh, I mean, it's a well-received, much-beloved book. It's from Stephen King. It's definitely straight-ahead horror film, but it's a well-rounded horror film and not like some torture porn or, you know, highly... I mean, like, take the Conjuring movies, which and I love the original... I mean, I love the first Conjuring, but... I was the second one. I didn't see that. It's okay. It's average. But, I mean, mm. those movies are highly derivative. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, it's hard to say it is original. You know what I mean? It's based on a miniseries. We've seen some of this stuff before, but I just feel like it's a story that, that is broad enough to connect with a large, large audience, if that makes any sense. Well, I agree with you. Uh, I think the advertising was fantastic. I think the trailers were fantastic. Well, it definitely didn't feel original, and I mean, even as different as it was from the original miniseries, it still felt very similar at the same time. You knew what you were going to get more or less with this movie, but um, what I really enjoyed about it, though, was just the – um, this guy, Bill Skarsgård, man, he – I honestly believe he might have lost his mind a little bit doing this fucking movie, man. He really sank into the character, which is probably why you're actually getting – legit talk of oscar stuff well okay let me stop you right there bill skarsgård is not going to win an oscar for playing pennywise dude i but mean he listen. is really good listen i said in my print review which hey anybody wants to read my print review go to cultspark.com it's up but mm-hmm. um i said that uh i wasn't too sold on the makeup the, mm-hmm. the the look of the clown when they first started showing stills and trailers but it's it a hundred percent works because of his performance, which is fantastic. He's uh, he's amazing. So mad props to Skarsgård. I don't even know if I've ever seen him in anything. I mean, I've seen the other Skarsgårds. You know, there's there's a bunch of Skarsgårds running around our movies. Apparently, but, four of them are acting. But out of uh, eight. I I didn't know much about Bill coming into this, and he wasn't even like the original choice from the role. They had like somebody else picked out who had to drop out. And he they had a uh, Will Poulter, the kid from uh, The Revenant and uh, Detroit. There you go. So kind of, it's like Hugh Jackman is Wolverine. It's kind of like accidental late in the game casting that just works out awesome. Yeah. Um, and you know, something else, this movie, I mean, no one's going to remember it, it now, but this movie kind of had a troubled production because Carrie Fukunaga, who I know you love, who directed the entire first season of True Detective. You make it sound like I have a shrine to this guy. It's uh, you like, have, all right. How, okay. How many times <laughs> have you watched season one of True Detective? I honestly How couldn't even tell you. How many, was it more than five? Dude, it's definitely in the double digits that I've okay. watched that shit in so, its entirety. So you're a Carrie Fukunaga super fan. Who, I, then you could say the same thing about Nick, Nick Pizzolatto. Let's get to the point here. Quit throwing me off track. Fukunaga, who still gets a screenplay credit on this film, who worked on the story and the adaptation for a long time and was originally supposed to direct and then dropped out before filming started. Uh, how, was that a bummer for you? Did you think that was pretty much going to sink this? Being I what, think being what I a think super that fan was of a, I think that are? was a bummer for just about everybody who had heard the news that Carrie Fukunaga was going to write and direct it. And um, yeah, man, I think that was I. At the end of the day, I'm very happy with this uh, version of it that we just received from Andy Muschietti. But I part of me is always going to want to know what that version would have been like directed by him by Fukunaga. Okay, so this Andy Mush- is Muschietti, is that how you pronounce it? Muschietti? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. He comes on board. I've never heard of him. His other film is Mama. Did you see Mama? I saw Mama, and I'll tell you, uh, Mama was based on a YouTube, a, a short he did that you can watch on YouTube. This short that Mama's based on 
made me convinced when I heard he was going to do it, even though I didn't like the film version of Mama too much, that short of Mama is worth, um, makes him definitely a clear cut choice to direct something as scary as it needed to be. Okay, so, but you're not a fan of the full film then. So for people who saw it and loved it and might want to go back and watch Mama, give us your mini review. Why, why isn't it, why isn't it as successful as the short? I don't know. I think, uh, it was just a little boring and it was, uh, the idea that was in the, in the YouTube short, they kind of stretched it like far past its limit, I think. But uh, it does have a very good performance by uh, Jessica Chastain. Okay. Who, that's why they're saying that ooh, she's going to play I, adult I, Beverly. Oh, I didn't know that connection. So, yeah. right, because they need like a 40 something redhead. So it's her or Amy Adams or Bryce Dallas Howard, right? All, all, what, all what are the Amy odd, Adams, listen, Amy what? Adams, I can see in the role too. She's Amy, got the, listen, the look. Amy Adams is who I want because she's my favorite of those three actresses. What mm. are the odds that it is not one of those three? What are the odds that somebody besides Chastain, Amy Adams, or Bryce Dallas Howard plays Bev? Dude, I can't even think of another actress that would be a, a fit. Well, it's because you have three redheaded movie stars, the appropriate age. Mm-hmm. And I assume that now that this first movie is a mega success, they can get movie stars if they want. Now, maybe they want to keep the budget down. Maybe they'll go more unknowns. But they're going to be able to get movie stars if they want. Right? Well, maybe they'll be able to get movie stars out of budget, you know? Uh, you're not getting uh-huh. Jessica Chastain at a budget. Or How about Adams. Amy Adams? No. She's got about like Amy Adams for five hundred thousand. <laughs> As not, a favor, I am not going to sit here. <laughs> I'm not sitting here and putting a price on what Amy Adams is worth. No, dude. I mean, those that. people should get what they want, but it's like you know, it's okay. So Carrie Fukunaga leaves. Terrence is sad. Andy Muschietti comes. And I was in. also sad <laughs> that Will Poulter. I would have loved to see his version of Pennywise because he definitely. Had this look. He had a look, man. He, had, I think he had that Tim Curry crazy look. Andy Muschietti comes in, and lo and behold, the movie ends up fantastic. Correct? Uh, yeah. So, so, so now it's time for the Terrence A. Bar review of it. As a fan of the book, as a defender of the miniseries, as someone who loves the horror genre, how was it for you, Terrence? Well, after watching the movie and – um. I honestly felt like what they what the filmmakers were trying to do were trying to like kind of pay homage to the original miniseries, but at the same time do their own thing. So it seemed like like they they purposely steered away from stuff that was already done in the miniseries or made stuff that they did in the miniseries actually like a little worse. Like, the you know, Georgie getting getting murdered, you know, um, Ben Hanscom getting cut up in his stomach by Henry, you know, um. So it's it, they've managed to make it their own thing, which is a, a really cool thing. And the kids are wonderful. The, Amazing. You know, the, the camaraderie between all of them. It's like you just want to see them do more movies. But, you know, that's not going to be a possibility or whatever. But they, they were fantastic. Well, you know, they did announce today that they expect the kids to be back for the sequel. Yeah, I heard that. They're going to so, do like more flashback scenes. Uh, yeah, I assume there'll be some flashbacks, which honestly, I kind of think they have to do. Because I was actually mm-hmm. thinking about this before the announcement. And I want to name two of the kids in particular. And I want to name two of the kids in particular. Mm-hmm. You you already mentioned Finn Wolfhard, who's the dude from Stranger Things, who plays mm-hmm. Richie. Yeah, it's a little weird. They took a kid from Stranger Things, which was so obviously inspired by It, and then put mm-hmm. him in actual It. But it was 100% the right choice. The kid is hilarious and amazing. 100%. Uh, 100%. And then Sophia Lillis, who plays Bev, 
who it looks just like a movie star, looks and acts like a movie star. She's just got that sort of even at fifteen, she's got that aura that confidence, about her. Right, confidence, right. It's just the way she carries herself, her screen presence. She's a movie star, and I thought yeah. she was fantastic at playing a character who has to be strong in a lot of points and also show and vulnerable um, evo- right a lot of vulnerability with the scenes with her dad who's abusing her and she has to you know bev's probably the hardest role the other yeah. roles are sort of like this you know the, the straight kid the scared kid the the wisecracking kid uh bev is definitely the role that requires that requires the most nuance and i thought sophia lillis did a great job so this movie comes out in a huge hit, and everybody loves these kids, and they're going to be at the Oscars together. You know, we're going to see all these kids pop up at all these award shows and stuff. They got to get them into the sequel somehow. I mean, oh yeah, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see them pop up for sure. I, I mean, think. even if they get movie stars, and I bet you a thousand bucks that the last scene in Chapter Two ends up being like a look at them as kids again. Like, like the last image we'll see is sort of a flashback to them as kids. I would bet. Yeah. But um, all the kids are really good. Those are the two that stand out. None of them are bad. I think some of the some of the roles are a little bit underwritten. I think Mike's a little bit underwritten. I think Eddie's a little bit underwritten. Even Stan as well was a, felt a little. Oh, underwritten. Stan! That's who I meant. That's uh, Stan, not Eddie. Eddie was fine. Yeah. Um, it's hard to. Keep I thought that kid was great too. Yeah, the kid he's who good. Played yeah, Eddie. They, they're all very good. Uh, yeah, Stan and Mike a little bit. But I mean, again, it's tough to fit. How many of them are there? Six. Seven? Seven. Seven. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of main characters. You know, those guys in, in Pennywise are really your cast, and that that's a lot of characters to service. But they do they do pretty well. Um, I think it was a really smart decision to split the book in half. Yeah. For those who might not know and are listening to this, uh, it, the novel, deals with the two fights against Pennywise, one when they're children and one when they're adults. And the miniseries tackles both. And, the, you know, the pessimistic side of me, Terrence, thinks, well, they just did that to get for box office to get two movies out of it because they want a franchise and it'll give two movies. But, I mean, there are real narrative reasons to do it. I mean, you end up with a much more focused movie. You can fit a lot of these kids' lives into a two-and-a-half-hour movie if you don't have to deal with the adult half of the story. So, I mean, it might be for sort of financial franchising purposes, but... It ends up in a really good movie and being a smart decision. I think it's I think it's more of a smart decision than it is a franchise one. In all honesty, I think they knew. I mean, what were, what was the option? They were going to make another single movie for like that book, which some which something which the we said already the miniseries failed. I mean, Hollywood does dumbass things all the time. So yeah, but you know, <laughs> occasionally they have to you know stick their head out of their ass and then say, hey, let's do it this way. Let's do it. With people who actually want to make this happen. I mean, in a terrible universe, they could have made the movie focus on the adults and really undersell the kids. Just have the kids in flashbacks and really undersell that half of the story. You could do it that way. It you would could've. it would suck and not be nearly as good as what we got. No, I think they knew that they had to do this one right. I think they 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 knew they had to do a kind of epic status. So it'd be kind of cool if they do like a a, a unified cut of the two films. Oh, well, let, you know, let's not get too ahead of ourselves, but I mean, I could definitely see, you know, five hour screenings once they're both out. Because, I mean, the sequel's been greenlit. Again, this thing is a mess. Are you surprised by how huge this is? Because I'm shocked. I might be a little bit surprised, but I think I knew it was going to do fucking like serious numbers, man. I mean, I know. I, I know especially the, the word of mouth. The early word of mouth was what like, well, yeah. kind of gave I mean, it away. Once you saw it. I mean, and let me get listen again. You can go read my review at cultspark.com. But I, I thought this film was great. 
I gave it four stars out of five. I mean, I'd not, give it the same. It's not a flawless movie. There are some narrative hiccups that you're just going to run into when you're trying I, to adapt. Such I a thought long some book. of the effects were like dodgy. You know, some um, of the CGI felt a little unnecessary, and there were parts where like the prosthetics, like the practical stuff, looked kind of well, cheesy. They, but they, listen, they made this movie for thirty million dollars. That's a cheap exactly, movie. exactly. And it's as I say in my review, it's not super scary. It's not you're not filled with dread as you watch the film. It's a fun horror movie. But it's it, it's a movie that I feel like it made me like really uneasy, I, to be honest See, with you. I didn't get that at all. That's no? The, no, I never felt – there are horror – like The Shining makes me uneasy. Kubrick's mm. The Shining. That's a movie I feel uneasy when I watch. I just felt that uh, there were parts with Pennywise that like kind of – it's, it kind of spooked me. Like I said, it is more like a carnival funhouse. I never felt uneasy. I was more excited to see what was coming next. Okay, how you say a uh, carnival funhouse? It's it felt like watching that movie felt gave me the same feeling I got before in the past when I would go to one of those like carnival haunted houses and you're just walking through this thing waiting for stuff to jump out at you and it's like you're just tense. That's how that movie had me and I and that too it's uh. To, to its positives, that's a great, like, positive to have, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's a ton of fun. I mean, I saw it at the screening. There were, like, three moments where people cheered loudly yeah. during the movie. Like, at the end of the rock fight, uh, I can't – there were a couple. The end of the film. So at least two. I mean, people were really into it. You know what I found uh, disappointing, actually? But this is, like, from a total purist point of view is – uh. The, the death of Patrick Hockstetter was my favorite part from that book, and I was hoping we would get something like that, but it never happened. But in its defense, the, the Patrick Hockstetter scene was actually one of like the two creepiest scenes of the movie, I, I would say. Yeah, it was pretty creepy. Uh, remind me and tell everybody how it differs in the book. Oh, well, in the book, he's like this weird kid that's part of Henry's group, but he's like – like wants to try to give uh, Henry a blowjob. Sorry for you know people, but he does try to give Henry a blowjob at one point in that book. And um, there's this whole thing where he uh, he he's like by himself in the Barrens, and then uh, he gets attacked by the the one thing that terrifies him, which are leeches. So he opens his refrigerator where he's been storing like these dead animals, and then all these like flying leeches come at him and they suck his blood and like he passes out. And then Pennywise comes from a nearby like sewer drainage or whatever and like drags him back in there. But the thing that that freaked me out about that scene in the book so much was that when Pennywise comes up to him and Patrick looks up at him, he he says that uh, Pennywise's face is running like wax because it was almost like it couldn't decide what it wanted to be. So right. like the, the whole idea of that was just like wow like he Stephen King really went into like the psych of whatever it actually was it was kind of very interesting I thought. What did you think about the other changes? The the big one really is that um, Bev is taken by Pennywise at the end and the kids have to rescue her, which is not something that happens in the book. I've heard some I've read some mild complaints online that they damsel in distress Bev, which I do not think was the case. But did you have any problems with that? I didn't have any problems with it. But, I mean, it it remains to be seen because it's just – I'm wondering now if she actually stared into the deadlights because if she did, we all know that shit doesn't really bode well for people who do, like what happens to Stan. So – I'm just wondering if that's going to come into play in the future. I, th- I think it basically we're going to have to wait for the sequel to see how it's going to play out. If this I, decision like 
plays out, whatever. I feel like all the changes were made to give the kids more motivation. I think that. Uh, oh yeah, and it, you, yeah, they used that scene to get the kids all rallied up to go because they weren't going to go otherwise. It seemed like because the other change is that Georgie's body's never found because in the book, right. in the miniseries, Georgie they find his body immediately, right? Right. And yeah, one, he and, just he just gets his arm torn off, right, and bleeds out. Whereas in this one, Pennywise takes him, and I think that gives the kids more motivation because. Because Bill holds out some small hope that his brother's still alive. And I think by taking Beverly, I think that Pennywise knows she's the strongest of the group. She's the one that the most of them have the attachment to that kind of bonds them together over that summer. And dude, I think dude, I makes... don't I don't know about you, man, but like every time they touched upon Bill and Georgie, it it literally got me emotional, man. It reminded right. me of my own two sons, man. It was pretty deep. Right. Was, so, that, that was some good acting there. Yeah. So between those two changes, I think we're all to give uh, increasing motivation to the characters. And I thought they were fine. And again, if you're taking out the strongest link, you're taking out Bev. That's so, true. Um, didn't think it was a slight to her character at all. No. Nah. So what do you think? What do, what do you think the sequel needs to do? I mean, how how hard is it now going to be to maybe not top this, but at least match it with, you know, barring flashbacks, a whole new set of adult actors? The casting has to be spot on. Um, and I'll tell you the truth. All those choices that I've seen these kids make um, very recently for their adult counterparts were all pretty inspiring, I have to say. I, I like the idea of Jessica Chastain, Chris Pratt, Chadwick Boseman. Those are all pretty good ideas, man. And, and um. They gotta, I don't know, man. Just make that shit scary, man. Like, there's still a lot of stuff from that book that they could draw upon. Like, um, they could show when it actually lands on Earth. That would be some crazy shit. And I just read something where they're gonna make possibly make Mike Hanlon and as a, an adult a junkie, and he's gonna he's gonna be messing with like mind altering substances, and that's how they're gonna do the whole uh, ritual of Chud thing, the smoke hole and all right. that from the book. Right. Yeah. Which, the smoke hole in the books when they're kids, right? Yeah, yeah, but I mean, they could push that when they're adults, right? Right, they, they could. Uh, let me just tell you this, you're not going to get Chris Pratt. Um, you're not going to get that big of movie stars. You might get Chastain if she has a history with the director. Assuming the same director's back, which I would assume he will be. I don't see how he wouldn't, unless they just fuck up the script. Um, I've heard uh, Bill Hader is Richie. I like that. Yeah, I that's think that would a be great good. choice. And that's someone more in the range you could get as far as probably how famous they are and how much money they cost. But get listen, get one of our three redheaded movie stars to play Bev, hopefully Amy Adams, and then cast out the rest with, uh, you know, good character actors, good people we want to see. All right, Terrence, I think that's all the questions I have. So we're both giving it a four stars out of five, right? I'd give it four out of five. And I think for Bill Skarsgård was amazing. And if you see this movie, you got to see it for this guy's performance, man. He was a fantastic Pennywise, man. He and Tim Curry can stand on their respective pedestals and fucking just they're both kicking ass. That's all it is. And those right. kids, I love them. I wish I was related to them. <laughs> all of That's them. That's all I got. All right. Uh, last question. Three. Give me count. Not counting the non-horror stuff. So you can't list Shawshank. You can't list Stand By Me. What are your three favorite Stephen King horror adaptations of all time? I'd say probably The Mist, Creepshow, and this. Okay, The Mist is terrible. 
Oh, you're so, bugging. So the correct answer is The Shining is one. Why do you not like The Mist? Because you're insane. That's why. Because too many of the characters in that movie feel like caricatures. They don't feel like real people. Dude, and, as an adaptation from the original and, source, it's and I, a spot on. And I don't buy the ending at all. I know there are people who adore that ending. I think it's infuriating. Why is it infuriating? And it, it just is. I don't have enough time to get into it. And <laughs> that's a that's a cop out is because, what you call that. No, you just answered areas. Your, you just answered your own question because the ending is a cop out. It's sort of like this this sort of shocking dark ending that doesn't really fit with the rest. No, of no, the no. Film. What you're doing right now is a cop out. No, no, no. The, the ending. Warrior. No, no. It's the ending is a cop out. Here's your correct answer. Uh, one, The Shining. Two, It. And three, see, three's tough. I think you can make. The Shining is a terrible King adaptation. It's better than the book, and it's a perfect movie. And it's, it's, you have to count it. I I understand King's not a fan of the changes and how it turned out. It's based on a King book. It's a fucking masterpiece, and it's better than the book in the first place. So number one, I'll go number two with it. Three is tough. It's either, it's either Misery, The Dead Zone, or Creep Show. It's got to be one of those three, and I can't pick. The Dead hard. Zone is fantastic, man. I cry yes, every time I watch. <laughs> yeah, it's a fantastic movie. People forget about that one a lot. Dude, it's I sob older. every time, man. There's like a lot of sad shit in that movie. It's a great flick. All right, everybody. Uh, Terrence, tell the good people where they can find you online. Oh, on uh, Twitter, my handle is Cinema Parker, one word. And uh, occasionally I drop some stuff on Bob's site. Yeah, occasionally. Yeah, like every couple of years. (laughs) That's all right. We love having you for the podcast. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at Robert B. Taylor. Uh, You can find Cult Spark on Twitter at Cult Spark. You can find us on Facebook. We would really love it if you would subscribe to our show. Uh, You know, we put out, we're really ramping up here. We gave you uh, this podcast today. We gave you Twin Peaks last week. We did, what's the one we just did, Terrence? Game of Thrones. We did Game of Thrones for that. So uh, lots of good content. We've banked over the last few weeks, and hopefully we have some more coming. We really appreciate your support. Thank you for listening. Terrence, thank you for coming on again with me. Thanks for having me. 